0: Well, good morning, good morning. So good to see you. If I haven't met you before, my name is Ryan Epley. I'm one of the pastors here at the church, and uh, if you're a guest with us, we're so thankful to have you here with us. And church family, hope you had a great week. We're going to continue through the series you just saw, this life on mission. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 28 today. So if you have a copy of God's Word, I hope you do, go ahead and make your way to Matthew 28. And I would say if you don't have a copy of God's Word in our lobby, uh, we have several copies out there free for you to pick up on your way out. That would be our gift to you just to say thank you. Uh, Because what we believe is that this word transforms us. It's God's spoken word to us. And so there's a lot that we have to understand and glean from his word. And so if you don't have a copy, please pick one of those up. I would love for you all to have one of those. So Matthew 28, before we dive into that, this series Church on Mission, we're looking at God's mission for us as a church. And we need to realize that his mission is our mission. And so over the last couple of weeks, we've been looking at this vision statement that you just saw as you watched that video that you'll see on the screen now. Of what God is calling us to do at West Cabrera's Church, as a church corporately and as individuals, what God is asking us to do, what he's created us to do. And the last couple of weeks, we looked at the first part of this statement that West Cabrera's Church exists to glorify God. And if you remember, if you were here the last couple of weeks, we looked at like, the, the big broad picture throughout all of scripture God's call for you and for me to live and to glorify Him. And that's where we find our our satisfaction and our joy is when we live glorifying Him. And then last week we are like, how do we do that? How do we glorify God? And it's by loving Him with all that we have, with all that we are, with our heart, soul, mind and strength. We love Him and we love others. As we do that, we glorify God. This is our vision. This is what God has called us to do. Now we're taking the the next step down to that kind of orange or yellow bar that you'll see there. This This is our mission, right? Our vision is to glorify God. Everything we do, we want to glorify God. And our mission is that we would make more and better disciples. And this isn't something we've invented. We're getting ready to see here in Matthew 28. This is a call that Jesus has laid for all believers. That we would go and we would make more and better disciples for the glory of God. And the last thing we'll see in a couple weeks is from neighborhoods to nation. This is our destination. This is where we want to end up is reaching out locally in our neighborhoods, but also helping to take this gospel of making more and better disciples to glorify God to the very ends of the earth. And church family, we have to understand this. This can't just be our church vision and it can't just be our pastor's vision. It has to be our vision that we own it, that we see it. Because if we're not running after this vision together, we'll never reach the goal. We'll never reach it. It's kind of like for me right now, the last couple of years I've been teaching t-ball to my son. I've actually been helping coach. And my son's five, and so through the math, they're doing this two years, so four and five. Trying to teach four and five-year-olds how to play the game of baseball is incredibly difficult, right? You're either just trying to teach the fundamentals. This is how you catch a ball, this is where you throw the ball, this is how you hit the ball. And, and all of that help them understand what's the goal, what's the the mission, what's the focus. And if you don't understand that, then the game's not any fun, right? And so we've been teaching them, run to first, not to third, swing the bat, don't just stand there. And at the same time, Christ, what we're going to see in this passage today from Matthew 28, is he's laying out what that mission is. What success is for you and for me, for us as a church. He's laying it out there and he's saying, this is my call to you. So Matthew chapter 28, we'll start in verse 16 and we'll read through verse 20. It says, Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him. But some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. This is the word of God. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. That gives us clarity and direction. God, that lets us know why we exist and what we're called to do. God, I'm thankful that you didn't leave it out there for us to try to figure out or discover or to find. Lord, you have just laid it out there visibly for us to see. And I pray that today our hearts and our minds would desire to be obedient to your call. That your mission, oh Lord, would be our mission. That we would see your heartbeat and your desire, and it would change our heartbeats and our desires. God, speak to us today. And I would ask today, if you're here, just in this moment of silence, that you would ask for God to show you his will, and that he would speak to you today. Pray that now, if you're so bold. take a moment to pray for me that as I open his beautiful truth that uh, I would be helpful to you during this time Father I pray that our church would be one that lives out Matthew 28 that we be doers of your word and not hearers only deceiving ourselves God help us to be obedient to what you're calling us to today in your name I pray amen all right these few verses here that you find in Matthew 28 have huge impact for my life and for your life and especially for our church what Jesus is laying out here is the vision the mission the call for us to go and to make disciples He's showing us his heartbeat, he's showing us the reason he came and he's laying it all out there for you and for me to see and respond to. And I don't want us to miss it this morning because it's a familiar passage. One that if you've grown up in church, you've read it over and over again, you, maybe you know it, maybe you've even memorized it. I don't want it to become so familiar that we're just like, oh yeah, check it, I already know that, that verse, let's move on. It's not just about knowing the verse, but living it out. And so I hope today as we walk through this, we're not leaving this in the the theoretical way up here or even the theological. But that we would weave it down into the practical nature of our lives. That we would look at this verse and say, God, what does this mean for me? And better yet, what does this mean for our Christian community and our church? God, how are we called to live out this statement? What we call the Great Commission. this great commission can kind of be divided up into three different things that we're going to unpack this morning. But we'll see the mission of God. We'll see the doubts of God's people. We'll also see the promise of God. We'll see his promises. Now this passage starts, the passage I started reading in verse 16, it says now. Now. That's pointing back to what was there before. All this stuff has happened. now Jesus is giving this great commission, this great statement for you and for me. But what is the now that comes before this? What is the setup for this? Well, if you read this chapter and the previous chapters, what's happened is Jesus has gone to the cross to die for your sins and for my sins. And at the very beginning of chapter 28, you see his resurrection. Yes, he died on the cross. He went to the grave, but he did not stay there. He rose to conquer sin and defeat death. This is a literal man who who died and was rose from the grave. Why? How? Because he is both God and man. Worthy enough to die in our place as pure and holy. And to be our representative as man who died on the cross. As he rises from the grave, as he rises, this, we can't let this truth get past this. There is a man who died and defeated Death the things that grip our hearts the most, the things we fear is that flat line of vitals. Jesus conquered it. He beat it. And in lieu of conquering our sin and defeating death, he looks at his disciples and he gives them this command. He gives them this command to go and to make disciples. But one of the most comforting verses in maybe all of the Bible to me is verse 17. Look back at verse 17. Jesus, risen from the dead, has already told his disciples, meet me on this mountain, and I'm going to talk to you. He's appeared to his disciples a number of times at this point. He's shared meals with them. He's talked to them. And in verse 17, they go to the mountain that he's directed them, and it says they worshipped him, but some doubted. Some doubted. And you think, Ryan, why is that such a comforting verse to you? Well, who are the people that are here? Who are the people that have come to, 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 to speak with Jesus? It tells us in verse 16. It's not the masses at this point. He spoke to the masses. He did in his resurrected body. He spoke to more than over 500 people. But that's not what you find at this time. Verse 16, it says, now the... 11 disciples. The 11 disciples went up to the mountain that Jesus had directed them. And when the 11 disciples saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. It's encouraging to me because these are the men that Jesus chose to pour his life into, these are his disciples. And they come up there to worship him, but it says some doubted. And we don't know how many that is, but some still are struggling to follow and to trust Jesus. They're like the, the Roman that said, I believe, but help me with my unbelief. And they're worshiping him, but some with doubts. And like I said, we don't know which disciples doubted, but you got to think it could have possibly been Thomas. You read in the other gospels and he's got the nickname Doubting Thomas, right? Because people are saying, hey Jesus rose from the dead and Thomas is like, there's no way I'm going to believe that. There's no way. He died on a cross and took a spear through the side. I won't believe that until I touch the nail holes in his hand. And I'm not going to believe nor worship him until I feel that hole in his side. Which to me is a little creepy, I'll just be honest, right? Like." He's got the name Doubting Thomas, but it's almost like Weirdo Thomas. Like, you, why do you want to touch that? Like, could you, like, There's not something else. Just As long as I see Jesus, that would be enough. He's like, no, 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 I have to touch this. I've got to touch the side. I've got to touch the holes in the hands. He doubted him. And yet, you find Thomas is one of the 11 that's here on the scene that's worshiping Christ. And Jesus, when he finally sees Thomas, he, he tells Thomas, Hey, Thomas, go ahead. You, you doubted? Bring your doubts to me. Bring your doubts. Touch the holes. F- fill the, the hole in my side. Do it. And Thomas's doubt is transformed into worship. Church history tells us that, that Thomas actually took the gospel to India over 5,000 miles, or close to 5,000 miles. Thomas, the doubter, the one who struggled to even believe that Jesus had risen from the grave. Now is like, you know what? I saw him. I, I, I've worshipped him. And I'm going to spread that news. Even in the midst of my doubts, I'm going I'm to go to the ends of the earth. And I don't know if it's true or not, but there is a church there today in India that they say that Thomas founded. Thomas, the, the doubter, came and he worshipped God. He worshiped Christ. And why I'm so encouraged by this is because it really speaks to both the Christian and the non-Christian in this room and those that are watching online today. Because if you're sitting here right now and you're like, you're just struggling. You're here Christian, but you're like, man, I've, got, I've just got doubts. I, I, I'm a Christian, I know, but as I turn the pages of Scripture, there's things that just doubt and I I don't understand or I struggle with if that's you today then take comfort you would make a great disciple you would make an encouraging disciple because that's exactly what Thomas was a doubter who in his struggles chose to follow Christ's mission as opposed to his own mission and I would say if you're you're here today and you're, you're not a Christian, you, your mind is filled with, with doubts and struggles, this is a place for you. Jesus didn't shoo people away that had doubts. He says, no, bring them to me, bring them to me, and I'll help you. Bring them to me, and I will help turn your doubts to faith. He will. And so I would say to you, if you're here today and you're struggling with Do I believe this Christianity thing or not? I want you to hear from me and from our church. We are glad that you're here. We're glad that you're tuning in online. We are. We want you to know and experience the love of Jesus because that's what we have experienced. We want you to know and understand just like we have that we are all sinners. Every one of us in this room, those that are watching online, we are all sinners. But we're saved by the grace of God. And God loves you so much he wants to do the same in your life. He wants to do the same in your life. So we're thankful that you're here. Jesus would say, bring your doubts. Bring your doubts. Today, I would really encourage you to exchange your doubts. Whether you're a Christian or a non-believer, exchange your doubts for a deeper faith if you're a Christian. And if you're not a Christian, exchange your doubts for abundant life in Him. And as you do that, what you'll see is what happened in verse 17. You will worship. Your doubts might not go away immediately, but you will still worship Jesus just what he's called us to do, to glorify him. So I just challenge you to pray today. God, I believe, but help me with my unbeliefs. And I hope as you do that, you grow in your faith. That some of your doubts, you start to understand a little bit more, and your doubts turn to faith and trust in the Lord, and that you grow. But more than just growing in your faith, my heartbeat and God's heartbeat is that you would go. That you would go. And that's the next thing we see the mission to make more disciples. Jesus tells them that He has all authority on heaven and on earth. Over everything, He has authority. And we'll get back to that in just a minute. But He says, I have authority. And since I have authority, this is what I'm asking you to do. This is what I'm calling you to do, encouraging you to do, commanding you to do. I want you to make disciples. I want you to make disciples. Which leads to us asking two questions. What is a disciple and how do we make it? Jesus, if you're laying out this great commandment right before you ascended into heaven, you give this command to make disciples. And that's the only command that's given in here. There's there's one command and three participles that go with it. And the command is make disciples. What is a disciple and how do we make it? Disciples a term that would talk about following somebody, learning from somebody. They would use that, that term to talk about somebody even that was an apprentice in a, in a work or, or a business. That you would learn that trade. And how would you learn that trade? You would come and you would sit and you would learn under somebody who knew how to work the furnace. Or knew how to do accounting. And you would just learn from them. And you would become like them. And so when Jesus says, go and make disciples, he's basically looking at them and he's saying, hey, everything that I have taught you, go and tell other people. Go and spread this news to others. You see, as they followed Jesus, they became like Jesus. And so you look at Jesus' life and you're like, "What, what does it mean or how do we create disciples? We look at the life of Jesus and we reflect that. And then we share that with others. You see, people who follow Jesus condemn sin, but at the same time we have great compassion. That's what a disciple of Jesus looks like. Why? Because that's what Jesus did. Jesus came and he called out evil and he called out sin, but he did it with great love and great compassion. He condemned the sin but had compassion on the sinner. And we as disciples do the same thing. People who are disciples of Jesus, who follow Jesus... We sacrifice and we love others. Why? Because that's what Jesus did. You look at Jesus' life and page after page of his holy scriptures showed us how he sacrificed and he gave to love. And so we as disciples do the same. And we look at others that would say that they're followers of Jesus and say, follow Christ. Follow him. Jesus prayed and he taught the good news. And we, as followers of him, do the same thing. Jesus had the desire to let the gospel go forth. I mean, he was the first missionary, the greatest missionary, who left his home and went to spread the good news so that we could believe and have salvation. And so when he looks at us, he says, hey, be my disciples. What he's saying is, follow my example. Just as I left my home and I shared the gospel, you do the same. You do the same. This is... What it looks like to be a disciple. So what is a disciple? One who follows somebody else. We're following Christ as Christian disciples. How do we make it? We look at the life of Christ. And we reflect him. And Jesus gives us these three participles right here to help us understand what being a disciple looks like. And first he tells us to go. To go. This is us sharing the gospel. A lot of times we read this and we think... Oh, this is the command. This is the command that he gave us, to go. No, the command he gave was to make disciples. And this is one of the ways we do it, is we go. We share the gospel. And if you could just think at that time, if you could just put yourself in the shoes of the disciples, he's just giving them this great commission. I want you to make disciples. And they're like, okay, we got some doubts, Jesus, but okay, we're going to do this. We're going to make disciples. How do we do this? And Jesus is like, well, first thing, you you, you go. Wait wait, 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 hold on, hold on, let me get a piece of paper out, Jesus. Maybe you can say more than that. We, what, what's the first thing? Go. J- just go? Yeah. Just go. And think about all the excuses they could have said back to Jesus. Whoa, whoa, whoa Jesus, like, we can't go. We, we've got a lot going on right now, right? We've got... Uh, our families, we got to think about. We've got uh, loved ones we got to think about. We got all these things. We got work. We got all these things to think about. We, 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 we just really can't go. I mean, they could have given a lot of excuses. And if they knew what we knew today, they could have given even more excuses. They could have been like, Jesus, time out. You want us to go? Let's wait just a little bit because we don't have planes, uh, we don't have automobiles. Like, we can't get to all these places easily, Jesus. And so, can we just wait a little bit? Like, Jesus, we don't have the printing press yet, right? We need the printing press before we can go, right? Or we need the internet. Once we have the internet, Jesus, then, then we're prepared and we're ready to go. We need, we need uh, EE. For those of you that have been around church for a while, you know what EE is. Evangelism Explosion. We need Evangelism Explosion to get on the scene, Jesus, before we can go. Jesus like, no, 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 no. Just go. I want you to Go. Jesus knew they didn't have all those things. He's like, I just want you to go. And I want you to think about that for a minute. 11 men, Jesus tells them to go. And the gospel goes to all the known world at that time. Let that settle in for a minute. They just went. And because they went, the gospel went with them. And that word for go literally, if you look in the Greek, it, it means while you're going, while you're living life, these men didn't have all the resources we have today. And they went, and the gospel went to India and Asia and to all the Roman Empire. This is amazing. They didn't have all these different resources. They didn't have mega church conferences. And they didn't have Logos program to, to research and learn all these things. They had the power of the almighty God. And he says to them, go. And if you go, the gospel will go with you. And so we have to share. Not because we have all the resources, we have all the answer answers, but because God has called us to go. Go. And so for us as a church, we need to think about that for a minute. What does it mean for us to go? And and if you're a Christian, if you're a believer, I want you to think right now about your life, where God has placed you in the sphere of influence that he's given you. And I want you to think about people that you interact with in your life. People you see in your neighborhood, people you work with, people you interact with at a local coffee shop. Just people that you know and I want you to think about them for a moment I want you to see their face or their name do they know Jesus? do they know the Lord? and the reason I want you to think about that is because I want you to see as God sees God loves them and he loves you And he has placed you in their life to display God's love to them. You. I've had people tell me, I've I've got lost family members. I wish somebody would just send somebody to share the gospel with that family member. Nobody is going to love your family more than you. Nobody. God has placed you there to be a light, to share the gospel. And hear me very clearly today. Do not view people as projects because they are not projects. These are people created in the image of God, and God loves them. And that's why God has placed you in your life, to love them as well. And so we love them, and one of the ways we love them is by sharing the gospel, and we pray that they would trust in Jesus and find that hope and that peace and forgiveness. But even if they never do, God has called us to love them regardless. So don't look at people as projects. Look at them as God looks at them with love and with mercy and compassion and love them, and pray for them, and go. Church, we have to go. We cannot look at our current generation and just say, there's no hope for it. Yeah, there is hope for it, and you're it. You're it. Well, there's no hope for my kids growing up this generation. Yeah, there is, and it's you sharing the good news of Jesus Christ with them, because it has the power to change our lives and to change others' lives. And so we share the gospel, but we also see that we show the gospel. We show the gospel. It tells us, go therefore making disciples of all nations, baptizing them. Why in the world is Jesus with his last breaths before he ascends to heaven telling us to baptize? Like why not just go and what we'll see in a second in verse 20, just teach them to observe. Why is baptism so important to God in this? It's because it displays the gospel. And Jesus wants us, yes, to know and to believe it, to share it, but also to display it in our actions. And one of the greatest ways we do that is through baptism. I mean, Jesus could have chosen to do it in a number of different ways. He could have said, hey, once you're baptized, wear this Christian t-shirt and everybody will see the gospel. Or once you're baptized, wear this WWJD bracelet. There's nothing wrong with WWJD bracelets, but hey, wear this and then people will know that you're a believer. No, he says display the gospel. Display it with your life. And we're baptized, we saw the baptisms just earlier. Charlie mentioned it. That This is a picture of the gospel. You see that? When we see this happen, this is a picture of the gospel. And this isn't something we're making up. This is from Romans chapter 6, verse 4. Paul the apostle says, hey, baptism is a picture of how you died to yourself, your sinfulness, you died, you went into the grave, and then you came forth waking into the newness of life. And it's pointing to the fact that Jesus went to the cross for your and my sins, and he went to the grave for those sins, and then he rose from the grave. And because he rose from the grave, he has a, a new transformed body that we will all experience that believe in Jesus Christ. And so when we see baptisms, it's not like, oh, that's great, a little pat on the head, that's, that's great. No, 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 this is a display of the gospel. That we as Christians are reminded about. And if you're not a believer, you're you're seeing the gospel displayed. They're confessing it to you. We believe that Jesus died on the cross and rose from the grave for my sins. And I'm confessing to you today that I am dying to my sinful, selfish ways and I am walking in the newness of life. Not that I won't have doubts or I won't ever struggle, but I'm repenting of those things. I'm leaving those things behind. This is a picture of the gospel. This is what God is calling us to do. And of all the things he could have gave, he saw this as the utmost importance to say, yes, I want you to go. I want you to be baptized. I want you to teach others. It's an amazing thing that God has called us to, to display the gospel with our lives. Display it. But we have a long list of excuses to keep us from following in believer's baptism. We just We just do. We saw today several of these people overcame some of those fears or struggles, but I mean, some of us think about baptism, we're like, well, I was, I was baptized, as, by my, my parents baptized me in the past, right? When I was, when I was a, a baby, like, I, I, don't, I don't need to, to be baptized. And when your, your, pa- your parents baptize you, that's, that's great. That's, that's incredible because it shows that your parents are praying for you and wanting you to follow and love the Lord. And that's what this believer's baptism is. It's a fulfillment of what your parents were hoping you were going to do. Look to Jesus and believe in Jesus and follow him. That's what's happening when we're doing this. We're saying we've made a decision to follow Christ. We believe in him. We're saying our sins are dead and we're raised to the newness of life. This word for for baptism literally means to submerge. They would talk about it in in cooking. Like if you... um, I don't know what they cooked at that time, but if you had a pickle, right, and you wanted to make sure you take a cucumber, you wanted to turn it into pickle, you put it in vinegar, right, you let it soak, you baptize it, you put it completely under the water, and then you pull it out. Or they would talk about it with a ship, a ship that would be sunk, would be baptized totally under the water. Why? Because it gives that picture of going to the grave and raising to the newness of life. And so I would just say today, I'm thankful if you're there, that your parents... I've prayed for you and encouraged you to walk with the Lord. This is a decision that you have to make to say, Jesus, I see this, a call to be baptized. And I believe in you. So I want to be baptized. And maybe that's what you need to do today. Maybe that's your step of faith. For others of you, you think, I don't need to get baptized because I got baptized a long time ago with a bunch of other people that were getting baptized. Not necessarily because I believed it, but like... They were get baptized, it was emotional time, and so I got baptized as well. But that's not how we see the Bible talk about baptism. It's you believe in Jesus. You confess your sins and repent of them, and then you're baptized. Baptism doesn't save you. It just shows you that you already are saved. And I shared it with you guys a while back. It's like a, a wedding ring. It's just a, an outward symbol of an inward change. But it's displaying the gospel. We want to proclaim to the community of believers, I am trusting in Jesus until a world that doesn't know him, we're saying, I believe and trust in Jesus. You need to believe as well. And so if you're like, I never, really, I never really believed in him, but man, now I do. I understand it. Then you need to follow Jesus' example and call to be baptized as he was baptized. Or maybe it's just fear that keeps you from being obedient to Jesus. You have just this fear what is my husband gonna think what is my friend gonna think if I like I should be way more mature in my faith than this to than be baptized there's nothing more mature in your faith than being obedient to the Word of God to being obedient to what he's called you to do even for my wife that uh, when she was a pastor's wife it, I remember sitting in service with her one day and she leans over and she's like we have to talk I'm like we have to talk like that's conversations you hear as a high schooler before somebody breaks up with you. Like, I don't need to hear that language. We need to talk. And, uh, and so I'm like, oh, my goodness, what does she need to talk about? What's going on? And, and so right after service, we, we go and we sit down in my office. And she's like, I just really feel like I need to be baptized. I'm like, oh babe, that's what you were, like, oh, that's, I feel so much better. This is great. This is great. She's like, yeah, just, I, I was baptized when I was young, but I didn't understand what I was doing. I didn't understand how I was following Christ and believers' baptism. And so I just need to get baptized. I was like, okay, let's do it. She's like, whoa, 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 Ryan, but I'm a a pastor's wife. I can't be baptized. I'm a pastor's wife. And I said, yes, you can. It doesn't matter what anybody else thinks. It matters what God thinks. And being obedient to him. And So she was baptized. Some of y'all are in that same boat. Step out in that faith and trust Jesus. Some of you are like, man, I got baptized last year, and I've just been so excited and revved up. Like, I just want to get baptized again. No. No, that's not for you. Okay, if you've believed and you've trusted and you've been baptized, it took. You don't need to get baptized again if you have believer's baptism, okay? Don't hear me say that. You're good. It took. First time. It's it's good. But if you haven't followed in obedience, then then do that. This is is what Christ has called us to do. If we're going to go and share the gospel, we have to also display it in our lives. And he calls us to do that. But baptism isn't the the finish line for believers. It's just the start. I mean, if baptism was the finish line, we would just stay under the water and go to glory, right? We would just go on to heaven. We don't need to come back up. No, no. But we come back up and we walk in the newness of life. Why? So that we would do the third thing that Jesus mentions in verse 20 that we would teach others how to observe all that Jesus has commanded us. We have to teach the gospel. Some of y'all are like, okay, I'm glad that this point does not apply to me. I'm not a teacher, so let's move along. (laughs) No, this isn't saying if you have the gift of teaching, then go teach others. No, all of us can do this. And I would caution you, if you come in and hear the word on Sunday mornings, or you go to your small group and you hear the word, and your only question you're asking is, okay, what does this mean to me? Or how does this matter to me? Then you're just being really self-centered in your faith. God calls us to share what we have heard. That we would reproduce to others what God has been stirring in our own hearts, and our own lives. And so please don't come in here and only say, how does this apply to me? But who do I need to share this with? Who do I need to tell about this this week? What Christian do I need to encourage? What non-believer do I need to bring peace to? A weary heart. What do you want me to do with this? We need to receive it but not let it stop with us. We need to reproduce it. And the question I would have for you believers today is this, will God's word stop with you or will it spread through you? Will God's word stop with you? Will you be a cul-de-sac or conduit for God's mercy and grace and truth? It can't stop with us. It can't. And what I love about this is we can all do this. What God has shown you in his word you can share with other people. You don't have to be charismatic. You don't have to be a teacher. You just have to be faithful to the Lord and share. Man, this is what encouraged my heart. It's one of the things we try to do in small groups. What has God stirred in your heart through this message today? How has God stirred your heart through you reading the word and praying this week? And encourage one another. It says spur one another on towards love and good deeds. Why? Because we're just default lazy. We need to spur one another on. To love and to follow him. So we have to teach others to observe what God has commanded. So how do we make disciples? We share the gospel. We display the gospel. We teach the gospel. That's what God has called us to do. This is an amazing call. This is a life-giving call that he's given to you and to me that we would make disciples and so for the individual people in this room and then we'll talk corporately what it looks like as a church for an individual in this room I would just say can you think of one person one person that God has placed in your life that you can faithfully pray for and share the gospel with that you would go on the behalf of Jesus Christ to share the gospel with them and it might not happen immediately. It might take a year or two years or three years to see somebody change and believe in the gospel. But is there just one person that you can pour into? Who's that name? Who's that person that you would pray for day in and day out and look to share the gospel with and look to love? i going to go for the glory of Jesus. Who's that person for you as an individual? Don't say, well, somebody else needs to hear this. Somebody else needs to do this. No, if you are a Christian, God has called you to do this. Every one of us, not just the pastors, not just the missionaries overseas, you, you and me, we're called to do this. Who's that one? Who's that one that God's called you to? Would you pray, be diligent over the next year or two to share the gospel with them? Now as a church, as it tells us to go and to display and to teach, we are going to do this as a church. We're going to think about this and we're going to live this out because this is what God has called us to do. So we're gonna to go to the neighborhoods and the nations. We're gonna talk about that in a whole sermon a couple weeks from now, so I'm not gonna dive into that right now, but we as a church are going and we're gonna to continue to go to our neighborhoods and the nations. We're going to display the gospel in our actions as a church. So even over the pandemic this last year, you have given as a church to provide food for people. Why? Because we just want them to know that somebody loves them and cares for them. So multiple times we've, we've raised food and we've given it out to communities that have come to us first to ask if we'd help, praise God for that, praise God that these neighborhoods look at this church and say, we don't know everybody in there but we know they love people and they, they love us and so they came to us asking us to donate food and you did that, we're going to continue to do that, we're going to continue to do city serve projects where we go out into our community and just love and serve our city because God has called us to love and serve our city, we're going to do this, we're going to display the gospel And when people say, why would you give up a Saturday? Why would you give up a Friday? Why would you give up time to come and help us and care about us? Because Christ first loved us. And he first cared about us when we didn't care about him. So we're going to display the gospel. We're also going to teach the gospel. We're going to open up God's word and we're going to teach it week in and week out. You're never going to have to worry when you come in here, whether it's me or another pastor on this stage whether God's word is going to be opened up and we're going to teach it. We absolutely are. This is the command of Christ, that we would listen to his teachings, that we would obey them. And we're going to do that as a church. Our small groups are never going to move away from being a biblical community on mission for him. A community that's founded on God's word and is that living on mission for him. We're not going to move away from that. It's what God has called us to do. It's the command that Jesus gave. And so, yes, we as a church, we're going to go for the gospel. We're going to share it. We're going to display the gospel. We're going to teach the gospel week in and week out. Now, some of y'all have heard this and you're thinking right now, I'm just so overwhelmed. I'm so overwhelmed. Right, this is just a huge mission. This is hard. This is difficult. I've got family issues going on. i, I got marital struggles. I've got... I've got struggles in my own heart and in my own life. Ryan, I hear this mission thing. I I, I I just don't know if I can do it. And I would say if that's you today, you're in a good place. Let me encourage you. You should feel like you cannot do this mission because you can't. We can't. We cannot do this apart from Jesus Christ. We can't. And Jesus knew that, and that's why he gives us promises in this text to encourage us. Real quickly, the hope to make more disciples is my last point. In verse 18, Jesus says, I have all authority, heaven and on earth. And we see that throughout the gospel of Matthew, his authority over all things. From sickness to, to forgiveness of sins, from death itself to the storm that he calms with a whisper, right, He can do all this. He has all authority. And he looks and he's like, hey, 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 I'm not trusting in your authority to make disciples. I'm trusting in mine. And I have all authority. And since I have all authority, I'm calling you to go. And I will equip you and strengthen you for all that you need. You will. And this mighty, all-powerful God who looks at us and says, go, also says, but guess what? I'm going to go with you. I'm going to go with you. And that's where it ends in verse 20. He says, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. God is not saying do this in your own strength, in your own ability. No, he says, I am going with you. And that's one of the most beautiful things about God, is that he is with us. The gospel of Matthew opens up with Emmanuel, chapter 1, chapter 2. Emmanuel, God with us. Just talk about it at Christmas. And the bookend to the Gospel of Matthew is this, where Jesus says, I'm with you. I'm with you. So that's our hope in making disciples, is that God is with us. So, church, let us trust that Jesus with you is able to do all these things through you. And if you aren't a disciple of Jesus, then look to him today. He's inviting you to come to him first and find forgiveness. And then he's saying, come on mission with me. You can't do this on your own, but I can do it in you and through you. Let us look to Jesus today. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. You promised you would never leave us nor forsake us. That you are God with us. And the only way you can be God with us is to build that bridge between us and you. That great chasm of our, our sin, Lord, you bridged it through the cross, through your life and your death and your resurrection. And so God, made that... that act of great love, the greatest act of love that we've ever seen. May that stir our hearts to be on mission for you. May we as a church be glorifying you by making more disciples and better disciples through the glory of your name. And even now, God, I, I pray that you would make more disciples, more followers of you. And if you aren't a follower of Jesus, then you stop now and you pray. You can hit pause online or you can come after church and talk to one of our pastors. If you have doubts, you have questions, just like Thomas did, bring them before the feet of Jesus so that you can turn and worship Him. For us as Christians, may we go for you, Jesus. May we go in your authority and in your power and in your strength And have hope and comfort that you are with us even to the end of time. God, you are with us. And Lord, with that promise of hope, God, may it stir in us a hopeful worship. That trust and believe in you. God, we love you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Church family, let's sing to that great king now.